This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. I I hope you had a meaningful and enjoyable Memorial Day weekend. Uh, We appreciate uh, all of us the sacrifices that have been made uh, so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have to to do shows like this. And uh, today we're excited welcome attorney Reed March back to the show. Uh, good morning, Reed. Um, please remind us about your background and your practice areas. Well, good morning to you as well. My name is Reed March. I practice in uh, Oxford, Mississippi. We also have a second office in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area where I commute between the two. I have a number of uh, practice areas, but one of the ones that I particularly enjoy is dealing with homeowners associations and condominium associations. Um, there are not a ton of people that specialize in those areas, and so it's something that I find particularly enjoyable and uh, look forward to talking about that today. Well, we're excited to have you talk about uh, homeowners associations today, and Reed's also been on the show to talk about gun law, and he's also an expert uh, in gun law, and we talked about that in November of 2020, and that's that's an important topic as well, and we, we need to have Reed back uh, soon to, to cover that topic at some point. But um, let's let's talk about HOA law today. We'll, we'll call it HOA law just because it's a short program. We don't have two hours, and I won't say homeowners association every time. So what exactly is an HOA, and how is that different from zoning or deed restriction? Sure. Uh, almost always, a homeowners association is established as a nonprofit corporation. So it is a formal legal entity uh, of which it is comprised of the owners. Oftentimes, most commonly, it's set up by the developer when there is a subdivision or in the case of a condominium, when property is dedicated to the condominium form of ownership. Those uh, condominium associations are, for most part, interchangeable with homeowners association. Uh, but that's set up to represent the owners and to protect those interests uh, of the owners. It differs from zoning because zoning is a governmental enactment uh, that's passed by a municipality or uh, some other level of government. And it differs from a deed restriction because a deed restriction is generally between the grantor and the grantee, the seller and the buyer. And generally, it does not benefit any third party. So a uh, grantor may give someone an easement to cross across to cross their land to uh, fish or do something else. But that generally isn't uh, for the benefit of everybody else who might come along. Does my homeowners association need uh, an attorney, or can anyone draw up uh, an HOA agreement? 
I suppose that uh, anyone could, but I would strongly recommend against it. The homeowners associations, uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, are formal corporations. They need to be governed accordingly. There are certain requirements in the Mississippi Nonprofit Corporation Act regarding uh, bylaws and directors meetings and things of that sort that if you don't do can endanger the very nature of the association, the, the corporate form of uh, governance. And also uh, an attorney who has dealt with this has seen a number of issues, can anticipate what the problems and the objections are going to be, also can bring uh, experience to bear on how people try to get around restrictions that they don't like. So if you have someone who wants to rent out their property, even though the uh, covenants prohibit rentals, we have the benefit of seeing how uh, they, they try to get around that. I had an interesting case years ago where someone had gotten caught violating the rental restriction at one point. And so the next time they tried to do it, they put in place um, what they called a purchase contract, which was completely turnable at will. Well, it wasn't a purchase contract if it was terminable at will for no reason or any reason at all, but it had uh, an immediate occupancy clause. It, you know, it, it walked like a duck, it quacked like a duck. It was a lease. And uh, accordingly, the court held them responsible for violating that covenant. This morning, we are talking with attorney Reed Martz about homeowners associations. Everybody wants to live in a in a great neighborhood, but you know where's the line between a great neighborhood and too much Karen telling you what to do? Uh, what are your rights? What are your responsibilities if you live in a homeowners association? That's what we're going to find out today. We would love to take your email questions. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. You know, it, it seems like you, you mentioned that usually developers, when they're developing a, a subdivision, they decide they're going to have a homeowners association as part of that development. But let's say I, I live in a neighborhood that doesn't have a homeowner association, but I talk to a lot of my neighbors and we decide we want to create one. Uh, can we do it? We you know, Maybe we've been living in our homes for 20 years. Can we decide at some later point to have a homeowners association? Yes, absolutely. Now, that's not terribly common, but I have done that in a number of cases. And in one interesting case that comes to mind, there was uh, a subdivision. I don't remember the total number of units, but uh, there's about 95% buy-in from the uh, owners, and there were one or two stragglers that didn't want to be part of a homeowners association. So what we ended up doing was uh, basically carving them out of the association. They got some indirect benefits from that, but they were the, I don't want to say the outcasts of the neighborhood, but uh, the other people that were trying to protect their uh, property values and interests and so forth, we're looking at them very fondly for opting out and uh, latching on. But yeah, absolutely. You just have to have the consent of the governed at that point, if you're going to do it uh, after the fact. Well, that's, so, uh, that's so interesting. And, and, and you mentioned the benefits. I mean, I, there are burdens because usually with homeowner association, there's a fee. Um, but what are the, the common things you've seen in homeowners association agreements that are, that are benefits that we don't talk enough about? We talk about, you know, I always kid around with my homeowner association, we have to have a gas lamp 
in front of our house that is lit at at least three inches at all times. And so, you know, after bad storms, I'm back out there, you know, scurrying to make sure I don't get in trouble with the homeowner association. But, you know, aside from those things, what are some of the benefits you've seen uh, in homeowner association uh, that you've set up? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that, Professor. Uh, I'm in the same develop. Our office is in the same development where you live, and we have the same restriction. Uh, and one of the nice things about that uh, gas lantern uh, restriction or requirement is that it gives some uniformity. It gives a nice appearance from one house to the next. Same thing with mailboxes and things of that sort that you will commonly see in a homeowners association uh, requirements covenants. Uh, there's a, a uniformity of appearance. There are lots of uh, maintenance agreements uh, and requirements. So people have to cut their grass at, at a certain height on a certain schedule. They have to maintain the exterior of their home because no one wants an eyesore directly across the street from them. And that's a real benefit to the person who is trying to take care of their home and improve their home. And they have uh, a neighbor directly out their front window where they try to enjoy their breakfast every morning and have to look at the, the tall grass or those various things. There are lots of other benefits that can come as well. Sometimes you will have uh, uh, lakes and fishing spots and other things that are part of the association that you get a benefit to use those for boating purposes. And you get lots of protections for setbacks and fences and all, all those sorts of things. We are talking today with attorney Reed Martz about homeowners associations. You can send us your questions and comments to our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We are discussing homeowners associations. So how, how many HOAs are there in America? We'll tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. find autocorrect helpful especially on coach charlie's tip of the week listen to our podcast with me coach charlie melton on any podcasting platform or on the mpb public media app when you look at your vehicle think of mpb need to get rid of your ride donate it by calling 877 mpb the number four car Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. This is In Legal Terms, the show 
everybody's about everyone's rights. Now, not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live, so if you've missed any of our program, you can hear it on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Now, according to the website... HOA-USA.com. There are over 370,000 homeowners associations in the United States. Collectively, this represents over 40 million households, which is 53% of the owner-occupied households in America. So... That's a lot more than I thought uh, there would be from from their website. This morning, we are talking about homeowners associations with our guest, Attorney Reed Martz from Freeland Martz in Oxford. And we have a couple of phone calls to go to. Let's go to Haley in Ocean Springs. Haley, we're glad you've called into auto (laughs) in legal terms. What's your comment or question today? Oh, oops. Well, maybe Haley will call back. Let's go to Gulfport and speak with... Hold on just a moment. She's still taking that call. Oh, oh, uh, we're going to get to that one in just a bit. Let's find out, uh, Reed, what happens if uh, Professor Gershon doesn't pay his HOA fees? What's going to happen to him? Well, none of it will be good. Uh, The first thing that he should be aware of is that after a certain period of time, that delinquency will accrue interest and in almost certainly will also accrue attorney's fees if the association has to hire legal counsel to pursue that debt. The uh, association will generally have a lien rights to go in and place a lien on your property, which is a very effective way to secure payment because if you need to refinance that property or sell it, you're going to be dealing with that lien. Uh, you, You won't be able to do that. The association also will have the option to bring a lawsuit against the owner to collect the debt. And this is the biggie. In many cases, the uh, covenants will also include the right to foreclose on the property. So just as if you didn't pay your mortgage, the association could come in and sell your property at public auction for the debt that it's owed, which is generally going to be a, a small percentage of the total value of the property. So you risk risk losing that substantial investment for a modest amount of money. Let's go to Haley in Ocean Springs now. Haley, we're so glad you've called into in legal terms today. What's your comment or question? Jackson? Okay. Yeah, so uh, we bought a home about a month ago in Ocean Springs uh, down here on the Gulf Coast in a, in a neighborhood called Stark Bayou. Um, and one of our neighbors mentioned something about the, there being a homeowners association uh, in that subdivision, but it was never mentioned during our home buying process. I mean, we went through realtors and all that. So I'm just trying to figure out how do we know, how do we find out if there's a homeowners association in our neighborhood? Okay. Uh, yeah, well, that's definitely something that I wish had come up during your closing that your realtor had investigated for you. Um, you almost certainly should be able to determine if an HOA exists by looking at the deed chain. So whether or not it's mentioned in your particular deed, it should be in the chain of deeds for uh, someone 
preceding you, at least back to the developer. And so you can get those at the Chancery Courthouse. Um, some counties have them available online. You can look as well, but it should be mentioned somewhere that it is subject to the restriction of a homeowners association. You can also check to see if a homeowners association was established with the Mississippi Secretary of State by going to the website and typing in the development name. Generally, it'll have something like homeowners association uh, or HOA in the name as well. But, uh, and you, of course you could ask your neighbors because uh, if they're paying assessments, they'll know about it. Okay, thank you very much, I appreciate it. Thanks Haley, we're glad you've called in. Now let's go to Gulfport and talk with John. John, we're glad you've called in. What's your comment or question for our guest attorney, Reed Martz about homeowners associations? Good morning, ma'am. Um, I recently moved into the state from Pennsylvania and I bought into a subdivision with an HOA, and the one rider in the covenant that concerns me is that if a fence is erected, right, between the properties, that each homeowner is uh, on the line for half of the maintenance. But now I got a fed fine on both. The one lady to my left, I get along with, and I can maintain it. The one on the right, the property owner I don't speak with, he seems, you know, distant for whatever reasons. It's technically on his property. It's not. It's adjacent to my property line. So I guess, am I really on the hook for it? And how would I give that rider out of the covenant as the board has been recently handed over to the residents from the developer? Now, Liz, I had a little difficulty hearing the question, but as I understood it, John was asking about uh, a common uh, or at least a close to common maintenance obligation with one of his neighbors. And unfortunately, we don't have the benefit of the covenants, conditions and restrictions commonly called the CCRs to know exactly what it provides. But in John's case, based on what I understood from his question, I would recommend that he go to the homeowners association board and talk to them about the enforcement of uh, that covenant in his particular situation. And the homeowners association through the board will generally have some options for enforcement as we talked about earlier uh, with grass height. Uh, there are commonly uh, provisions within the CCRs that would say, if you don't take care of it, we will take care of it, meaning the association will hire someone to fix this problem, and then we're going to send you a bill for doing so. Uh, John may have that option, and also the association may be able to mediate between the two neighbors and help them come to some sort of resolution uh, for this particular problem. John also mentioned that his homeowners association is being turned over from the developer to the homeowners. Is that an opportunity to change some of the the laws with a or the covenants that are in a HOA? Generally not. Uh, and. It, this is very common terminology, Liz, about turning it over from the developer. And what that generally uh, usually means is that the developer has a right to uh, appoint a majority of the board. 
Now, they don't always do this. And in fact, I think developers do this wrong more than they do this correctly. Uh, because when they create this association, it should be set up immediately with a, a properly constituted board and run as a nonprofit corporation. But a lot of times what the developer will do is just keep it all in-house and he'll just act like he's king and do everything uh, for his benefit because he's trying to sell units and get out of there as quickly as possible, which is understandable, but it doesn't make it right. Okay. And so, uh, so as the developer sells those units and has less and less investment, he wants to turn that uh, responsibility over to the owners by having them take a majority on the board. However, none of that is uh, necessarily an opportunity to change the CCRs. There will oftentimes be a specific process that needs to be followed, a resolution, calling a meeting with appropriate notice, appropriate number of residents present called a quorum. Then you have to meet a certain threshold. Oftentimes it's two thirds or 75%, something along those lines. Uh, Amending uh, CCRs is a big deal. It's not something that's easily done. So, John in Gulfport, did this help answer your question? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right to the point that it's going to be difficult to get that rider out of that covenant, but not impossible. You need to learn your CCRs. That's going to be the name of the game for this show. John from Gulfport, thank you for calling. Goodness, this is the John Show. Let's go to John from Jackson next. John, we're glad you've called in. What is your comment or question for uh, In Legal Terms today? Okay, yeah, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'm de developing a small subdivision about 95 units, about uh, seven of, of, of them are developed. My question is, I would think now is the appropriate time to go ahead and put together an HOA. want to know, what does that cost? And um, could you provide a way or two of mitigating or defraying some of that, <coughs> excuse me, some of that cost associated with that? And, and if you can say so, how would your office be contacted? Thank you. Okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll start from the end and go backwards. Uh, my firm name is Freeland Martz. M-A-R-T-Z is how you spell my last name. If you Google Freeland Martz, you can find our website pretty easily. All of our contact information is there. The phone number is 662-234-1711. Uh, now, John, I would... I find it interesting that you call the 95 unit development small. Uh, in my view, that's not terribly small. And so I would uh, encourage you and any other developer not to be penny wise and pound foolish here, because while uh, to Liz's point earlier, a lot of people don't read their covenants before they buy their property. Uh, I get calls from people with buyer's remorse every day of the week, uh, it seems like saying, I didn't read this and now I, I can't do what I plan to do with this property or, or whatever else. But it doesn't have to be uh, an overly expensive um, process. I mean, you're, I would anticipate spending a few thousand dollars to really get this the way that you as the developer want. But remember, you're developing 95 units. I don't know what the cost of each of these units is going to be. You want to have good governing documents that spell out this is what is required. This is how that's enforced. 
because that gives your potential buyer a lot of certainty to say, I can make this investment and I can know that my uh, property values will be protected from the one person who might come in. I, I got a call about someone um, that was concerned about developers from California coming in and buying units and then turning around and, and basically renting them out as cheaply as possible and converting the neighborhood from a nice place to live to uh, almost a, a slumlord type scenario where they're not going to maintain the homes. They're going to turn these things over every 12 months. And so uh, a few thousand dollars I would anticipate, but you can get a really good document that addresses what you're trying to do with this particular development for that and once it's in place hopefully it uh, doesn't require a lot of changes you can give the board discretion on rules and regulations which uh, for those who aren't familiar you're going to start in a hierarchy state and federal law is at the top there's nothing you can do to change those but within that uh, or underneath that you can put in the ccrs and the ccrs are in the the document that we just talked about with John from Gulfport that's difficult but not impossible to change. Underneath all of that, you're generally going to have the rules and regulations, which are the most flexible of all. Oftentimes, those are implemented, promulgated by the board itself. And so the board can call a meeting and the board can vote to change those rules and regulations. Uh, and that's not a big deal in most cases because you're dealing with things like uh, use of common areas, like how often the clubhouse can be used and things of that sort. And you don't want to have to amend the declaration to change the rental rate for the clubhouse or the requirements for cleaning up after yourself. Thank you so much for calling in, John from Jackson. We are so excited to have this show for our listeners to ask questions. If you'd like to email us your questions, our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking with attorney Reed Martz about homeowners associations. We've got some timely information for Mississippi voters or voter wannabes coming up next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. 
Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We hope you'll subscribe to our podcast or find MPB Think Radio recordings at mpbonline.org slash radio. Now, this is a friendly reminder. Today is the primary election runoff voter registration deadline. So if you're not registered to vote now, you cannot vote in next month's primary election. But if you register today, you can vote if there is a runoff in the primary. This morning, we're talking about HOAs, Homeowners Association, with our guest, Reed Martz from Freeland Martz in Oxford. This is a popular show. We've got lots of phone calls. We did get an email. This was from a listener, Brenda, who, man, she let it have us with both barrels. She does not like homogeneous neighborhoods. Her sister-in-law lives in one. It creeps her out. She doesn't think folks should be ha- be made to cut the grass to a certain height and not deviate from the rules. And she can't understand people who don't want to allow wildflowers and such in their area. And uh, she thinks homeowners associations are detrimental to the environment. And she doesn't understand people who are unwilling to give up certain rights and choices on the way they live for their personal space. And personally, Brenda, you go, Brenda. Uh, That's one thing that's so great about America is if you don't want to live in a homeowners association, nobody's going to make you buy that house or that condo. You need to to pick somewhere else. Let's go to the phones. We go into Mobile, and let's talk with John. John, we're glad you've called in from Alabama. What's your comment or question about homeowners associations? Thank you for taking my call, Liz. Um, a few minutes ago, well, about 15 minutes ago, uh, Attorney Martz um, mentioned some measures that a homeowners association can take to basically place their hands on your property and possibly put it up for sale. I don't have a, a homeowners association issue, but a, an issue with something else, a uh, condominium timeshare uh, dispute. And uh, I would like to know from uh, Mr. Martz how to find out if any of these uh, measures have been taken against uh, my uh, property ownership of my house uh, and whatever. Can, can he answer that? Well, John, uh, this is Reed. Uh, I, I can't answer the particular facts of your case, whether it has or hasn't been, you would generally receive a notice or multiple notices uh, in the case of a delinquency or an intent to foreclose. You could call the management agent. I'm going to assume that there is one. Most uh, timeshares have one. That's actually the business model is to have uh, a management agent to keep up with all these timeshares and resell them and so forth. Uh, but you could also go and uh, look in the newspaper for a publication of an intent to foreclose. You could check with the uh, local um, land records there as well. But I would start with the management agent because they do have a responsibility to you as an association member. And this is important to keep in mind. 
you are a member of this association and so you're not some stranger off the street that they can just blow off they they need to communicate and be responsive to you now of course don't be abusive or anything you haven't been in this conversation i have no reason to believe you would but don't give them any reason to regret picking up the phone and, and just talk through it with them but you could uh, their their ownership uh, the condominium uh, was acquired by an out-of-state well a nevada uh, concern and uh they have not communicated with me very much i've gotten a couple letters the last i heard from them was in august of last year and uh so i'm forgetting about this thing you know worrying about uh things around the house and then something like this comes up and boy it puts me right off my breakfast that they could actually do something like this and i wouldn't even know about it so um, well, i would hope that it is not done in the dark that you're getting appropriate notice there are requirements for foreclosure for publication and notice to people and so forth uh, but if it, you haven't heard from them since august of last year and uh, you haven't been paying that monthly charge um, I, I would have it's every yearly it's a yearly maintenance fee um i disputed that because they uh after hurricane sandy they could not give me my uh timeshare and so i thought i should get the next year free but instead they're demanding um basically i'm not getting any benefit from the time from the fee that i paid and so i haven't been sending them uh maintenance fees so they just said you're in default and they said something about foreclosure but uh if they want to foreclose on a timeshare let them have it i never wanted the thing in the first place um uh, i inherited it um so but i don't want them putting their hands on the house i'm living in and i don't know if they could do that no uh they would have to sue you to come after your other assets and you would definitely know about that because they would have to have someone come to your house and hand you what's called a summons. Wow. That's never happened to me before. <laughs> well, I hope right. it doesn't. Uh, but yeah, they, they may uh, be in the process of foreclosing on that timeshare interest, but that is the only interest that they could foreclose on. Are there attorneys that specialize in this that I could go to for a consultation? Uh, there are, including myself. I'm admitted in Alabama as well. Oh, <laughs> A little shameless plug there. All right. I don't mind the plug at all. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. John, we're glad uh, you've called in. I know the msbar.org, the Mississippi Bar, has a list of attorneys, and also it lists their specialties. So you might check to see what's in Alabama, or we will have our guest attorney read March's contact information on the show page for this page. We are talking about Homeowners Association today. Let's go to Jackson and speak with Gussie. Gussie, we're so glad you've called in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Okay, um, my question is, in recent years, uh, some of the management, uh, a management company here or there has come under uh, fire, some legal issues regarding the fees that the homeowners are paying. Um, so um, how can someone know that's paying those fees if they're actually being put in the account 
to um, take care of whatever is necessary um, concerning that community or that neighborhood or that subdivision? Who's protecting that on the homeowner's uh, behalf? Yeah, you know, see, that's a great question uh, and something very topical. Uh, we're here today at May 31st, so this law has not yet gone into effect, but beginning July 1 of this year, there are some revisions to what's called the Uniform Prudent Management of Institutional Funds Act. That's quite a mouthful, but uh, you can find that on the uh, Mississippi Legislature's website. It's House Bill 933 of the 2022 regula regular legislative session. And again, it goes into effect on July 1, making some changes to what is already in place, dealing with escrow accounts, transfers of large dollar amounts of funds and board duties to review financial statements. Most associations will uh, provide a budget each year. The board has a responsibility of promulgating that and making it available to people. I know that I get my financials from our condominium association. I, I believe that the professor does as well. We have a common developer there. Uh, and then there's some other requirements about bonds and uh, insurance for the board, things of that sort. Uh, so that would be something to look at. But uh, you should also, um, and you have a right to see the financials of the association. This Uniform Prudent Management of Institutional Funds Act, some of these revisions came up because of some pretty well publicized problems in the Jackson area with homeowners association and a management agent which was allegedly stealing uh, significant sums from multiple associations. Ooh, that's good to know. There's going to be a, a little bit of oversight to watch the, the Homeowners Association. Gussie, does that help answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you so much, and it's a great program. We're glad you're enjoying it. We can take your questions on our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Homeowners Associations is our topic for the day. What are your rights? We're finding out from our guest, attorney Reed Martz. Hey, what are your plans for the weekend? I have some things you might want to add to your calendar. That's next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app.
part of In Legal Terms. If you have missed any of our program, you can listen to our whole show on the MPB Public Media app and also our YouTube channel. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Coming up next at 11 Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. So what are you doing this weekend? Friday, June 3rd, there's an expungement and will clinic in Jackson. It's from 11 to 3 with the Mississippi Urban League and the Mississippi Center of Justice, our guests from last week. So look for last week's information. We'll have that uh, information about the expungement and will clinic on Friday, June 3rd in Jackson. Now, Saturday is the in-person absentee voting deadline. It's noon on Saturday. So if you are already registered to vote, but you have a reason you can't vote in person on Election Day, the circuit clerk's offices must remain open from 8 a.m. to noon on Saturday for in-person absentee voting. We're talking today with our guest, Attorney Reed Martz from Freeland Martz in Oxford about Homeowners Association. We've got Robert from Hattiesburg on the line. Thanks for holding, Robert. What's your comment or question for our guest? This is an important program. I have, uh, I'd like to disagree with an earlier caller that thinks homeowners associations are nonsense or a waste of time or a, a, an attack on individuality. I've lived in neighborhoods with and without homeowners associations in my 40 to 50 years of home ownership in various locations. Uh, right now I'm involved with a homeowners association in, in uh, the Hattiesburg area. Without some structure, especially if you're not in the city limits where code enforcement can be handled, without some structure or uniform uh, set of guidelines, um, the value of property is threatened. One of our mission statements in the homeowner association I'm involved with is to preserve and enhance and grow real estate values. And if you've got people that are not cutting their lawn or parking cars that are being maintained on blocks in their driveway or not uh, maintaining their homes or building uh, homes that are significantly different from other homes in the neighborhood, the value of the rest of the homes uh, is threatened. It's just common sense when you drive through a neighborhood and you see, you're, let's, let's say you're looking to buy a home and um, you spot something that you don't agree with or you don't like or doesn't look right, um, you're going you're gonna to pause before you, you move ahead with that, that kind of purchase. Homeowners associations are important. Um, a lot of people don't like them, but um, uh, I, I just, having lived in a lot of different places, I, I really think that there's a value especially um, here in Mississippi where code enforcement and, and, and um, uh, out of the city limits is, is not really pushed hard. We're the, so glad to have the, your opinion about that, Robert. Thank you. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a quick question, though, for the, uh, the attorneys. 
what is the responsibility of real estate agents to fully disclose covenants and the fact that there is a homeowners association to prospective buyers? Uh, we have situations where people come in and buy a house, and then all of a sudden say, well, I didn't know I had to do that, or I didn't know I couldn't do this, or I thought I could put a temporary shed or a trampoline in my front yard, um, but no one told me not. So what? who's responsible for for the uh, disclosure of the covenants? Uh, ultimately, the buyer bears that responsibility, Robert. Uh, I agree with you that the realtor should uh, make very proactive efforts to disclose that, to tell the buyer, here is what you can and you cannot do with this property so that uh, they have a happy customer, among other things. Uh, and then the closing attorney also has some responsibility. To my knowledge, it is not a violation of any professional duties by either the closing attorney or the realtor not to disclose those things. It possibly, um, maybe you, you could make an argument, and I'm not aware of a case on this issue, that the realtor, if they had actual knowledge of the existence, uh, had an obligation to disclose those to the buyer, or the, I guess the, the seller should be aware, but uh, in this case to the buyer's dual agency or some other engagement. But nevertheless, right. uh, but, just good but, business practices are going to disclose these. Right, but what, what's the difference between disclosing the fact that there's a covenant and an HOA and dues? What's the difference between that and, and, and requiring a disclosure of a problem with a roof or something else when you sell a house? I don't see any difference. Well, well, the difference being that the realtor doesn't fill out the property disclosure statement. The seller, well, the, the seller okay. Then now the realtor does have a responsibility to make sure that it is correctly completed to That's the actual knowledge of the realtor. But it's ultimately the seller's responsibility. And I, if I'm remembering that uh, property disclosure statement correctly, there is a question on there about whether there is a homeowners association, and if so, what are the uh, the assessments? Right. Okay, I, it's just uh, uh, I've, my experience. It's a little loose at times here within that in that area, but um, um, I, I think it should be clearly disclosed. Um, the same as any other issues with the home. All right, thanks very much. Thank you, Robert. And I guess you know I've heard uh, urban legends of people not using realtors and just making cash offers, and that's all going to be you know buyer beware to find out. I, I suppose is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you have a responsibility as a buyer to do your due diligence to adequately investigate the not only the condition of the property, but the title of the property that you are receiving. Uh, and, and that can depend on the type of deed that you get, whether it's a warranty deed or a special warranty deed or a quick claim deed, things of that sort. Uh, but you're the one buying. So you're the one that needs to exercise the uh, responsibility of making sure you understand what you're getting. That's that's really an important point. I mean, that's uh, you know the fact that ultimately it is up to us. And I know we when we closed on our house, we had all that information, including 
the homeowner association documents to that were part of the, the closing that uh, were disclosed to us and, and that's that important now if we talk about homeowner association we talk about having a lawyer let's say we want to form a homeowner association kind of as towards the end of the show i mean one issue is that homeowner association fees are not taxable and so you had a story uh, in the break about a, a homeowner a developer who made a mistake would you talk a little bit about that and how he kind of screwed up his tax situation yes absolutely so going back to i think one of the very first things that i said at the top of the hour uh, these are nonprofit corporations and as a nonprofit corporation they're exempt from taxes not from filing a tax return but from paying taxes and so it needs to be set up appropriately to do that and i had an example where a developer did not appropriately set up the association formed it as a limited liability company, which is a pass-through taxation entity. And so technically, because it was done incorrectly, the developer should have been declaring the revenue generated through the assessments on his tax return. I'm sure it wasn't done. I don't know for sure, but I don't think that it was. And that's just not how it needs to be done. It needs to be set up as a nonprofit corporation and operated as such. And, of course, Richard brings everything around to taxes because that's how our life in America goes. <laughs> an economic decision. That's right. <laughs> Reed March, we're so glad that you were able to spend this hour with us. We appreciate our guest volunteers who give up their time to answer our listeners' questions at MPB. We feel that that's our, our mission, to give our listeners a chance to ask experts questions and Reed, thank you so much for being on our show today well you're welcome oh and we always appreciate professor richard gershon who hosts our show from the university of mississippi school of law that wraps us up for in legal terms today homeowners association thank you to our call screener and our engineer and we, if you missed any of our show, find the podcast on any podcasting platform and on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. I'm Liz Gill. Join us Tuesdays at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.